just sing a song about the goodness of God. And if God's been good to you, right now is a good time to say thank you. So I want you to think about some way that God's been good to you. And talk to him right now. Tell him thank you. I think God loves to hear us. Our Father loves to hear us say thank you. And be specific. Tell him thank you for this or that. Or I think all of us who are parents or grandparents know the best words that we can hear better than thank you from a kid or a grandchild is to hear them just say, I love you. And every time I think about the goodness of God and how good he's been, and I say thank you, it always makes me want to just, just to tell him, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Father. I love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, from this spot in Covenant County at Hopewell Baptist Church, I know there's a smile on your face right now. Because you've heard your people say thank you and that we love you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Listen, Emma and Ryan, thank y'all so much for coming. Y'all could have been anywhere in the world, but y'all chose to be here tonight and thank you. Y'all have blessed us. Now, y'all, let, let me just say something crazy, okay? I go around to all these churches and I hear so many people, especially those of us with a little gray hair, that want to say something negative about this next generation and all this kind of stuff. But every place I go, I keep finding young people that God seems to put his hand on. They're trying to walk, and they're walking in a way different, more difficult time than, than some of us grew up in. And I don't know of anything we need to do than pray more for this generation. Because the enemy has said, I'm going to take those, and I'm going to make them mine. And somebody's got to stand up and say, no, you can't have them. And they're going to walk. I watch more boldness, college students, high school students standing up in middle school for Jesus. It was expected when I came along. But I'm telling you, this group right here, God, there's a battle for this generation between their heavenly father and the devil. 
And guys, I'm telling you, we've got to do something about it. Say, we, I'm talking about all of us that have a little age. Y'all, one of my favorite all-time teenagers, now he's not a teenager now, but uh, there's a guy sitting back there by the name of Big Al. That's what we called him. Alan Burgess was in the youth group over in uh, Op. He was quarterback at Op High School, baseball, basketball, that kind of stuff. And the girls would walk down the hall and they'd go, oh, Big Al. <laughs> That's ladies in there. There's some ladies here. From, they, Al was like the legend. He and another guy, Johnny Warren, that they did the strangest thing. I'm suddenly telling you this because I was one of those ones when I was 16, I went off as a prodigal and missed the opportunity to be used by God. So I've always, man, the ones that the older they get, the more they stand strong, I just really respect and appreciate. But Al did something crazy. I've always prayed, may my kids be like Alan Burgess. Because he, uh, you know, when you're the superstar sports guy and all that kind of stuff you can do anything but he and Johnny Warren would come to the church every week and pray that they would see every kid in their class get saved and chose not to date to try to win people to Christ which is crazy and crazy Al maybe Al the last time I beat Andalusia in football over here you were the quarterback and I think it was in overtime that you scored the winning thing to go ahead and you know he's the hero of op alabama so what does he do <laughs> y'all know there's a little rivalry between op and it well andalusia doesn't have it but op's got it so what does al do he could be out celebrating but i'll never forget he took a whole the football team invited him over his house and now what was it seven kids or how many got saved that night do you remember 12 don't tell me God can't use somebody. Listen, I don't care tonight, young people, don't let anybody despise your youth. Somebody should have put that, they should have wrote that a long time ago. That's, that's good. Somebody should say that was good. <laughs> and all you senior adults that think, well, I'm too old, I can't be used. I'm sure glad Caleb didn't think like that. The truth is, the older I get, I think I'm getting, not my body now, okay, my, my body's breaking down, but spiritually I'm stronger now than I've ever been. And I'm going to get better and better and better. And until my last breath, I want to be one of those guys that's serving and found faithful. Tonight, if you're on the inside of the pew, there's a little sheet, if you will, pass it down and your pastor, y'all, your pastor keeps laughing at me because I'm making this up as I go, okay? I told y'all, I've got all these sugar stick sermons, but I'm not preaching any of them. It's kind of crazy. What I'm trying to do, and I've just got this press from God in my area, it's like, David, the days ahead are going to be harder, not easier. You've got to prepare the people for it. But... Just like in the Bible, the hardest days brought the greatest glory of God. The people got to see it. I think we're going to see some things, guys, that we can't even imagine. We can't even imagine some of this stuff. And so God started walking me through the Lord's Prayer and gave me, through a guy named Bill Eliff, an outline, and I've been doing this. And 
Barry, we were talking about you and I grew up on acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I, I, I like this. So this has been. So all I'm doing is just basically sharing with you what God's been doing with me. And, you know, I hadn't preached a sermon yet. Matter of fact, Mike said, you going to tell another story like you did Sunday night? And I said, well, he said, you said something about preaching. I said, I'm really not preaching. What I'm really trying to do is to say one truth, one truth for you applied, simple thing that you can apply to your life. Because if you take and apply one truth, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. The other thing is, and I mentioned it, I think all of the folks my age and older, our greatest calling right now and responsibility is to pray for this next generation and to pray for America. And I think what's going to happen in the days ahead is going to be based on how we pray. Because some of us have been around so long and been through so many things, we can sing about the goodness of God, and this younger generation wants to hear it. I tried the headset, and it kept doing some weird stuff, and I thought, okay, can I have a mic? Because I, tonight, I think maybe this is, I, I don't, this is just, sometimes you get weird senses, but maybe this is the most helpful thing that I'm going to say all week. And so we're walking through the Lord's Prayer. If it's your first night here, welcome. We're walking through the Lord's Prayer. Human flourishing is based on spiritual flourishing. And so got that little outline. The first one is adoration. I start every morning this morning with just a time of adoration. And then I move into a alignment. It starts with, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then it moves to alignment. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, a bunch of y'all in here know what happens if your wheels aren't aligned on your car. You take your hands off the wheels, what does it do? But let me say it this way. Two degrees, does it matter if you're two degrees off? Now, Joel, you're a math guy, right? You're an engineer. Two degrees, does it matter? Well, if, if I'm two degrees off right here, by the end of, I, I can still walk down this aisle. But if I get on a rocket and go to the moon, if I'm two degrees off, Joel, you'll like this. I'll miss it by 15,685 miles, I think exactly. Guys, it matters. Alignment on earth in my life as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, today is one of my daughter's birthdays. What do you think I was praying for her? I mean, I was praying that for her. For some of y'all that are a little... I'm, I tell you, this is what I've been praying for my kids. This is I pray this and my grandkids. Tonight, the next verse is very simply this. Verse 11 is what? Give us this day what? Seriously, Jesus, we got food? We got a grocery store? Is it really that simple and that, is it, I mean, yes, guys. I want you to think about this. 67 words in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus did not waste a one, and every one of them has importance. What does it mean to pray, give us this day our daily bread? That is so simple, it's, you're like. Now, if we were somebody that was, didn't have any money and couldn't feed ourselves, we would understand that. But I don't think we've really caught this in America, of how much we need to pray for daily bread. 
So, so let me just kind of take you back because you've got to think, where's the reference to this? What was Jesus talking about? To understand this little thing about daily bread, you've got to go all the way back to the Exodus when the children of Israel came up out of Egypt, which it says in Corinthians was an example for us so that we could watch them and learn from them. And the, the children of Israel came up out of Egypt, and, you know, those were the sorriest bunch of spiritual babies that I think I've ever seen. Because they don't anymore watch God do this miracle and this miracle and this miracle and this miracle. And they go a little ways out in the desert, and, and all of a sudden they don't have anything to eat, and they start whining and complaining and saying, it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt as slaves. At least we would have had some food in our bellies. And I've always looked at them and thought, y'all are such babies. And then God says, uh, David, don't you do that? Because I can sing a song about the goodness of God and start counting all the times that God's been good. And then all of a sudden I hit a little hiccup in life and I start wringing my hands and my knees start shaking and, and all of a sudden I start acting like they did way back as the children of Israel and I keep hearing God say, grow up David, grow up. But I think one of the things in the last little stretch in my life, this prayer, maybe portion of the Lord's prayer has been more important. So guys, think about in the Exodus, some of you know the story, some of you may not, they get out there in the wilderness. And let me just make sure, guys, once we left the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve did, we live in a wilderness. Make sure you catch that. We don't live in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, that would have been paradise, being able to see God, all the needs were met and everything. We live in a world that has been contorted and twisted by sin, cancer. I mean, hurricanes, tornadoes, you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm saying this as a guy who's got a daughter. And I shared with you Sunday morning who's special needs because a certain gene messed up. We don't live in a perfect world. Matter of fact, I love in Romans where Paul says the earth groans like a woman in childbirth, waiting for its day a redemption of when God restores it. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. But I think about it, and I think, wow, that's going to be cool. So God gets them out there. They don't have anything to eat because they're in a desert. There's like supposed to be like two million of these people, and they're whining and complaining. And what does God do to provide? Somebody help me out. Remember what God sent. He sent manna. So what in the world is manna? Angel food. Do y'all remember how long manna lasted? One day. What happened with everybody that went out? Because God told them to go out and collect enough for that day. And there was a bunch of people that went out and collected more. Anybody remember what happened? <laughs> it's mold. <laughs> Guys, you've got to be impressed by God how he messes with us. Except for on Friday, they would go out and pick up two days. And it stayed, 
for the Sabbath so they didn't have to do anything. They, for 40 years, God took care of them day by day by day. And I'm telling you, that's the only way to live life. If you're going to flourish spiritually, we've got to quit doing what is so American, and that's being self-reliant. We live in a world that's pretty easy to be self-reliant. But I want to make sure that you hear a verse tonight and actually start to believe it, okay? Jesus said in John 5, he's talking, he says, my father is at work. My father's at work to this very day, and I too am working. And then he says this. He said, apart from God, I can do nothing. I don't ask you, do you really believe that Jesus as a man, the son of God, the one that healed and the one that stilled storms, the one that fed 5,000 men and all the women, the one that stood before the grave and Lazarus and said, come forth. Do you really believe that guy was right when he says, I can do nothing? See, I want to propose something tonight. We've read these stories so many times. Some of us have been in church our whole life. We've read them, and we've quit really believing that Jesus was honest. Let me see if I can just illustrate it in a simple way, okay? Shortest verse in the Bible. Somebody give it to me. Jesus wept, right? It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let me tell you why. Jesus, the occasion was Lazarus had died and Mary and Martha's sisters. Jesus' friends were hurting and Jesus wept. We keep thinking we've got this historical Jesus that he did it back then, but he doesn't do it today. But I'm here to tell you, one of the greatest things about that verse is this constant reminder, David, when you weep, Jesus weeps with you. It's a contemporary thing. It is a real thing. What Jesus said back then, what he did back then is still relevant today. And it's not just should be in our heads, but I'm telling you, experientially, we've got to learn to live this. And so, somebody dies. I'll give you an example. My dad passes away. I didn't weep by myself. Jesus wept with me. And I'm telling you, when you know that, and you get up in the morning, all of a sudden you think, okay, life is better because I've got somebody, not just a historical 2,000 years old Jesus, I've got a relevant, present, walking with me every single day kind of Jesus. And then in John 15, Jesus made this statement, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And guys, I'm weird. I mean, I'm the weirdest guy. I've got this little piece of land. I've got all this stuff on this land to remind me of Bible verses. And I've got a vineyard to constantly remind me. I'm the vine. You're the branch, David. Abide in me. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. But then he says, anybody remember what he says? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Guys, I, I really believe this. I don't believe you believe that. Because if you believed it, you'd spend a whole lot more time 
praying and asking God for help. One of the things that uh, just been a whole series of things in my life that God's used to make sure that I came to this reality that said I am absolutely, completely dependent on him. I can't take my next breath. I can't take my next heartbeat. I don't have a clue as to how to live this life. The world's changed on me. Some of us that are older, the world's changed. I bump into things every day and it's like I have no idea. Not just with technology. What, what do you do with the culture that's changed and how do you minister to people? And Barry, they, they told us at seminary how to preach and I'm telling you, I've thrown it all away and said, I don't have a clue. There's two places that God dwells. Isaiah 57. He dwells, he says, in a high and a lofty place. He says, I inhabit eternity, but also dwell with the lowly and the broken and the contrite. God opposes the who? Proud. But he gives grace to the humble. I'm going to tell you, one of the secrets to flourishing is a humility of utter dependence on God. I mean, absolute, utter dependence on God. So I get up every day and it's like, Lord, I have no clue as what I'm doing. I can remember when I was 30 years old and was being discipled by a man named Henry Blackaby who wrote Experiencing God and all this kind of stuff. And I kept thinking, man, when I get to be 50 like Henry Blackaby or Avery Willis. Avery Willis was one of your missionaries. He was the catalyst to see 2 million Muslims come to Christ in Indonesia. T.W. Hunt, they said, was the godliest man in his whole time in Southern Baptist life. Been around all these people. And when I was young, I kept thinking, man, when I, when I get to be their age... I'm going to know what to do. And I can remember on my 50th birthday, God reminded me. I said, David, how much do you know now? My response was, I know less about the world I live in than I've ever known. But I do know more about God. And one thing I know is, when Jesus said, David Franklin, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm telling you guys to embrace that truth. We'll make you get up in the morning and run to your daddy and worship him. And when you start thinking about how grand and glorious he is and all that he's done when he spoke and the worlds came into being and all that kind of stuff, and you start saying, thy kingdom come. What's on your heart, God, do it. In, in my life as it is in heaven, I have no idea what God's will is. Well, I, I know some things in Scripture but I don't know how God wants to do it in my way. I don't know what he's planned for me, so i got to go ask him, and i got to ask for help. i got to ask for help. I'm telling you, there's a verse that I love in the Old Testament, in Isaiah. It says, give him no rest, give him no rest. Night and day, give him no rest till he comes and he establishes himself in Jerusalem. When I think about that, verse I think about my mother and I tell you why my mother could nag better than any human I've ever seen she was relentless now she was sweet about it 
Every Friday, she went and got her hair fixed, so she looked better on Friday and Saturday and Sunday nagging. But you know, she was relentless, and that prayer, night and day, day and night, give him no rest, give him no rest. Pastor, you want, you want to know when God's going to do something in this church? When, when there's night and day from Hopewell Baptist Church, God keeps hearing people crying out to him, saying, God, we don't know what to do. What, what are we going to do with family members that aren't walking with God? What are we going to do with grandchildren or great-grandchildren that the enemy has got drug addiction? I mean, guys, I've seen all this stuff. I don't have the answer for it, but he does. I don't know what to do, but he does. So, so what's the right thing? I'm telling you, on your face before God with hearing the words that Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Guys, it's not just physical food. I'm talking about it's, it's wisdom, it's strength, it's eyes to see what's going on that God's will is and what's going on in people around you so that you know how to step into their world and be Jesus to them. I'm telling you, if, if I had to go back and live my life, I mean, all the people in, at First Baptist Op, I'd love to go back and just go apologize to them because I don't think I prayed near as much as I do now. I did some dumb things there. Now, you could, you could confirm that. There's some things, but, but I'm telling you, I'm a way better grandfather than I was a father. You know why? I pray way better now, and I pray way more. I got insight into how to pray for children that I'd never had before. And God keeps giving me insight and wisdom into what he's doing here or doing there. And so, you know, I told you, we're in schools. And how in the world does a 62-year-old man walk into a school system with middle schoolers and high school? I didn't, they didn't teach me how to do that. Every day I'm saying, God, you've got to show me. I have no clue. And the more I pray, it's amazing how God gives his Holy Spirit to give insight into how to walk. Let me see if I can just illustrate it because I want to be real practical. That's why I'm standing out here because, okay, this isn't a sermon. Parents and grandparents, watch this, okay? Man, I've been praying, Lord, I got these grandkids and I know that every one of them, you wired different. And Lydia's this child that God's helped me to understand the two biggest relational needs that she has all she wants to do is crawl up in my lap and talk to me. She wants me to listen, and she wants to be held. Now, she's seven years old, but she's always been like that. So I'm praying, Lord, help me to know how to connect with Lydia, all my grandkids. And so I was at the house, and everybody was there this past summer, and I was just watching, and I was inside talking to some people, and some of the grandkids were there, but some were outside on a swing. And Lydia is the most tender-hearted child, and she loves all. There's, there's seven younger than her, five and two. There's seven of them that are either five or two. And, I mean, she just loves them. She just goes up, hugs them, and all that kind of stuff, and she's swinging. And Micah, a five-year-old that she just adores, he jumped off his swing and ran right in front of Lydia as she was coming down like this, and she was swinging hard. There was no way she could stop. She hit him with her knees and lifted him off the ground. He spun around and hit face first. 
I said to Micah's dad, I said, Kason, Micah just got hurt. He ran in front of Lydia on the swing. He jumps up. Of course, Micah's crying. Everybody runs out to check on Micah. And when you pray for daily bread, here's what God does. All of a sudden, it was like God made sure that my focus was on Lydia. And here she came, walking through our flower garden. That bottom lip was quivering. She was trying her best to hold it together. All the adults went, but God helped a, a grandfather, Pops, who had been praying, give me daily bread, help me to see what you're doing. I look at her. I go out on the porch. I pick her up, and she just starts crying. I mean, she's just bawling, and I'm holding her and comforting her and things like that. We go sit down on the couch, and she won't even lift her head up. I'm looking out there. Micah gets up. He's off playing. Not Lydia. Tender-hearted Lydia. But what does the Bible, what does she need in that moment? She needs comfort. Now, I'm telling you, when you grow up with brothers and you're a guy, you don't tap into this world of giving comfort. Well, maybe you do, but comfort's a fist. But I've been praying. And daily bread, here's the way it shows up. I'm holding Lydia. She's crying. We've been sitting there probably eight, ten minutes. Her mother comes in and says, what's wrong with Lydia? And I tell her mother and stuff like that. Her mom says, oh, Lydia, here, why don't you come crawl up in Mama's lap and let me hold you? Her response was, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, <laughs> <laughs> God's the craziest thing. My wife and people from Abate, she's the sweetest, nicest person. And her specialty is preschoolers. And she said, this year she said, okay, I'm not going out to the car anymore to say hi to the grandkids. I'm going to let them run to you first and then they can come to me because they would just run past her and come to me. But guys, please hear me. Let me tell you what that is. That's praying, not just for food and not just for finances. Yeah, we pray for that. But I'm talking about I pray for daily bread so that God helps me connect with grandchildren and then I pray for those grandchildren. I'm telling you, the more you pray for them, the more their hearts will be pointed towards you. I can't explain that. I just know that's the case. But I'm always praying because I don't have a clue, guys. But God does. God's the one that created them. God knows exactly what he wants to do. I may have the next Lottie Moon in my family and not know about it. I don't know what God wants to do with little Micah. He's got the name of a prophet, so I pray certain things over him. But I'm asking God, I don't even know how to pray. And you know, Paul talked about that, that the Holy Spirit will help us know how to pray. I've been around these people that know how to pray. I'm not one of them, so I have to have help. Matter of fact, I've learned I have to have help on everything. My wife and I this next year will celebrate our 40th anniversary. Men, I still don't understand a woman. I keep praying because the, the, the longer th that I've been around her, the more I understand we go through stages of life and different stages of life bring changes and stuff like this. So I have to pray, Lord, how do I love my wife like Christ loved the church? And so I pray scripture. I'm telling you, I mean, 
daily bread, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He talked about the word of God being food. I've got food to eat. When they asked him, he hadn't eaten anything. They said, oh, I've got food to eat. It's the word of God. I spend more time in the word of God now. I spend more time praying. I spend more time asking for help. One of my verses, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, because we have such a great high priest who's passed through the heavenlies, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But he passed through the heavenlies, what? And he was perfect. He's encountered everything that we've ever been tempted uh, yet without sin. Therefore, let us, watch this, approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence to receive help and mercy in our time of need. The longer I live, the more I understand I need help. So let me tell you how it plays out. I've got so many stories like this, I'll just tell one. So here I am with, here I am with these high schoolers. I'm leading this group. And uh, Mo tells this story. Now Mo's a senior. She's maybe 5'2 and maybe weighs 105 pounds. And we're talking about things that have happened to us. And she talked about when she was younger, she was suicidal. And she just shared that the week before in this large group assembly. And a bunch of kids had responded. But Mo told our leaders, she said, let me tell you the rest of the story. She said, when I was younger, my mother and dad, my mother's crazy. She said, she told me when I turned 16 that if I had a boyfriend and then wasn't faithful to him, that she'd kick me out of the house and I'd be homeless. She said, this is the same mother that when I was 10 started having affairs on my dad so that my dad, they divorced, went over to my dad's house and he had a new girlfriend. Got him a, he got in a new place to live and he got a new girlfriend and said she was mean. Now guys, I can't tell this the way she told it because she was really good at cursing. She's lost. And she was talking about what a mean witch this woman was. She said she'd burn me with cigarettes do all kind of things. She said, I was over there one day. She was always trying to knock me down. But one day, I was walking down the steps, and she pushed me with her foot down the steps. And she said, I went down five steps. 11 years old. She said, when she walked around the corner, I grabbed a vase off the kitchen table, and I busted it upside her head. I was like, wow. Like, Mo, what did she do? She looked at me. She's like, why'd you do that? I said, because you're not supposed to do that to somebody. She laughed. She said later that afternoon, she started burning me with cigarettes again. She said, I'd had enough. She said, me and my brother and my dad are the only two, three people that have the combination of the gun safe. And I went to the gun safe and I got out my gun. And Chase, this big guy said, did you get out little pinky? Of course, she cussed back. She said, no, I didn't get that pistol. I got my long gun. And I went and stuck it in at that woman and said, you touch me again and I will shoot you and kill you dead as a doornail. Because I want to ask you a question. I'm leading the group. What do you say? What do you say? Because I'm the Jesus guy in the room. What do you say? Well, fortunately, I've been praying and asking God for daily bread. Because I'm telling you, I went to some classes at seminary. They didn't teach us anything like that, did they? I'm telling you, God, 
you can't prepare for this. No, yes, you can. Every morning, you can approach the throne of grace and receive help and mercy in your time of need. By asking for daily bread, it's the Holy Spirit. You ask for the Holy Spirit. And, and she told that story. And I'm thinking, what I do next, I better get this right. And I looked at her and I just said, Mo, I am so sorry that you've had to go through that. What I did was exactly what the Bible does, comfort one another. I gave her comfort. I'm sorry that you had to go through something like that. Nobody should have to go through anything like that. I'm sorry. I paused and, and this is what God gave me. He said, but you know, Mo, I'm encouraged about something. She's like, what? I said, somehow you hadn't let that crush you and shape your life. And here you are, you've been chosen as leader by this school, and you shared last week, and you started having kids come up to you, and instead of that defining you and crushing you, you now are being, it's being used, and you're going to be a better person and a better mother one day if you get children. And I started speaking life into her. I've had the opportunity to do that to other kids. It's the craziest thing. And guys, that led into this conversation, and our superintendent I know I can't stand up and preach, but he said, if they ever ask you a question, you answer it. That led to me sharing a little bit, but they, they said, I said, y'all ever wondered why an old man like me comes and hangs out with y'all? Because I'm older than any educator. They all retired. And one of them said, yeah, we've wondered that. We've talked about that. I said, well, ask me. They asked me, and I got to share my testimony about being a prodigal and meeting Jesus and about how Jesus has changed my life and about how I'd made a commitment a long time ago that if I ever got a chance to make sure some teenager didn't end up like David Franklin, whatever it was, I would do. Because I'm telling you, it's amazing when you go ask God for help. Just daily bread. I don't have enough for tomorrow. What I did yesterday doesn't count. I got to get it daily. I heard somebody say this, Yesterday manas, yesterday's manna is today's maggots. How many times do we know pastors that are living on what happened to them 10, 15 years ago? Guys, it's the easiest thing to do. But, but all of us, guys, we've got the greatest moment in America right now because it's getting darker out there. We shine brighter right now, but we got to go ask for help because do I know how to talk? Because one of the girls that was there, she she thinks she wants to be a guy. What do I say to that? I don't know, but God does. But, but even in my own family, what, what do I do with a daughter that's struggling with anxiety and depression? I don't know, but God does. And I keep asking him. I keep asking him. And guys, it's not the big stuff. It's the little stuff. I'm talking about when I see somebody, how do I speak to them? And, you know, a waitress or a waiter, how do I say something that's going to make a difference? But I'm telling you, from a parent standpoint, I do more asking now than I've ever done. How do I speak things and pray things for my children? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, my question is, do you really believe him? I'll close with one last story. Doug Harris, who, one of those saints 
in Bartow County and he went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago. I've been with that man. He was a school superintendent, became a pastor. We'd pray. He'd pray for his kids. His son, Kevin, got on drugs. Crazy thing, he actually broke into the church that Doug pastored and stole the offering. Do you think we know what to do about that? No, but God does. Do I know how to put marriages back together? No, but God does. And if we're not praying for people and asking and being open to being used by God, not just to pray for them, but to speak to them or to say something. Little Kevin Harris, I was with him this past week. His dad's already gone to heaven. Kevin's got a ministry we're working on getting guys. Got the county drug court judge. They're going to start sending us people that are addicted, have been arrested, so that we can minister to them. Well, I couldn't plan that out, but God knows what he's doing. But I want to make it personal right now. I want to ask you to bow your head. I want to ask you one need one need where you need God to give you daily bread in your life And I want you to, with your eyes closed, I want you to see this in your mind. I want you to pray that right now. God, would you give me this daily bread? And guys, what happens to that prayer? But the Holy Spirit takes it up to the great intercessor, Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing, sitting on the throne right now, making intercession. I want you to watch him turn to the Father and say, Father, there's somebody down at Hope World that needs help in this area. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's an anger problem. Maybe it's addiction. But they're asking for help right now. Guys, remember, we're told to approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence and receive help and mercy in our time of need. And here's the way it looks. When you pray and ask in Jesus' name, it goes to Jesus and he turns to the Father and makes the request. And basically, here's the way he does it. He said, he says, Father, Oh, Joe, down at Hope will just dialed the prayer hotline, the grace hotline, 777. And when we're in trouble here, have a wreck, you call 911. But us as Christians, we've got a better phone call. You dial 777, the prayer goes up to heaven, to the Father, And the father turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you've walked this earth. You know exactly what it's like to be made fun of. You know what it's like to be betrayed. 
by a friend. You know what it's like to be ridiculed. You know what it's like to be ignored. You know what it's like to be lonely. Jesus, you know exactly what they need. Would you fill the grace ambulance of heaven and would you send it back through the person of the Holy Spirit and give them the grace they need right now? So guys, when you pray, you got to know what happens. It goes all the way up to heaven and it's like there's this ambulance of grace that God sends that ambulance right back down and gives you what you need. So I want you to ask again, but this time with a little bit more confidence to say in Jesus' name, I'm asking for. And then say, because I know I can't do anything. I can't solve this. I can't fix this problem. I need help. Oh, I need help. But I'm going to ask you, would you just take and put your palms up and would you receive it? So many times we pray, but then we, we're just not sure. Would you just put your palms up and say, your servant is humbly asking because I can't solve this. I can't fix this. Because I want us to take it one step further. It's not enough just for us to pray for ourselves. But I want you to think of somebody tonight. And hope one of the things that I've sensed that God's doing is I've heard some of the just people talking. I get the sense that there's a number of you that've got family members that you've got a great heart for. Or you've got friends, you've got people that you know. I want you to think about one of those people who has a need right now. And would you pray for God to meet their need? It's not just enough for us to ask for just ourselves. We've got to ask for others. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's somebody at work. But would you pray for them right now? It may be that some of you just want to slip off that pew and use your pew as a kneeling bench. You may want to come here to the altar. Maybe somebody in your family or somebody that you know 
that you're carrying a heavy burden for and you're crying out for them. And you're saying, please, God. It may be somebody that's lost somebody. And God puts you, them on, their, on your heart and they've been through a tough time and that you just know they need prayer. Father, I want to pray for every person in this room that every single day they would be found unashamedly and unapologetically doing what Jesus said to ask, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we're not ashamed to say that we're needy. We're not ashamed to say that we don't have the wisdom for the world we live in now. Lord, we don't know how to do church in 2023. We've never been here before, but you do. So, Lord, we look up to the one who loves us and has all wisdom and all power. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I just want to ask you to take another step, okay? If you've got a cell phone, let me ask you to pull it out right here, okay? And I know this is weird, but I leave after tomorrow, so. I want to ask you just to pull your cell phone out. And I dare say that the person that you prayed for, you probably have their cell phone number. So would you just simply do this? Would you just simply... Send them a text. and said, I just want you to know I've been thinking about you. And tonight, I prayed for you. Just send them a text. Just let them know. Because guys, we don't want to just be inward. We want to be outward. And this is a great way to communicate. Some of you senior adults, this is a great way that this younger generation communicates right here. And I know the enemy uses certain things for evil, but we use things for good. So text them and just say, hey, I want you to know, I was thinking about you tonight. And you may know, you may even tell them the situation, I know you've gone through a hard time or, oh, this has been a challenge. So you text them. Dave, I kind of threw you a curve on the uh, invitation, but but we're still going to stand and sing because I want to make sure that Ryan and Emma get a chance because they're such a blessing. What song are we going to sing? Okay, so here's what we're going to do, guys. I want you to stand, but I want you to do it with a smile on your face. Now, look, pastor's going to be here. If you need to come talk to him, you can still do that. If you're here tonight and you're lost and God's put it on your heart to get saved, don't leave until you get that settled. But for the majority of the people in the room that are Christians, I want us to do this a little different, okay? I want to be upbeat and sing. If we're going to sing a song about 
God really loves us? What a better way to close than to sing that. So lead us, David. I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is no judgment Oh, how he loves me I've got a friend And he is my strength He is my portion With me in the valley With me in the fire With me in the storm
together